I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This is Mel. That sounds familiar, but I can't pinpoint where it's from. Um, but hello, watchers. Uh, this is Cam. Not watchers. <laughs> That's what I'm uh, calling our fan base. <laughs> All ten. Oh, of them. <laughs> because their eyes were watching. I was thinking. I was like, they're listening, but that makes sense. My bad. <laughs> should have never questioned you um that's from the 1976 film network oh i have never seen or heard of that so i don't know why that's familiar to me then <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it's a, it's a very popular line i've actually never seen the film all the way through myself but it's a super popular line so okay but this is Their Eyes Were Watching TV, a TV and film podcast. Today, we are talking about the spooky classic, Death Becomes Her. Cam, do you want to get us started with some news? Sure. I will start off um, in the tradition that you have started with. Um... <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. With um, kind of our, our sad saddest news and hopefully move to more lighter things irish grinstead who is part of the group 702 the 90s girl group with hits as uh where my girls at is that wait is that actually the name of yes <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah where my girls at yes stilo um mm-hmm. wonderful hits and also she's known for bt's uh hit one season wonder show the encore where she was a cast member with her sister and unfortunately she passed away last month in september uh september 17th she was only 43 years old so she joins her sister in the heavenly realm her sister who is her twin died of kidney failure at the age of 27 so we are very sad to hear that Irish has passed. Um, they haven't released a cause of death other than she had been battling a kind of unknown illness since at least December 2022, where she took time away from, I guess 702 was touring, which I did not know that, but they were touring last year and she had to step away because of this illness. And unfortunately, she she succumbed to it. So that is really sad. I mean, I have a special place in my heart for 702. They had their moment in pop culture history. And um, yeah, I guess we we unfortunately will not be getting any type of reunion or maybe they might continue to tour without her. But very sad to hear that she has passed. Her sister is also still a member of the group as well. Yeah, yeah. I had, I didn't know this is where you were going to start. I thought about mentioning this because that hit me really hard seeing Irish at past. I mean, I feel, you know, for a lot of, I think, women who are in our age group, like 702 was, you know, 702 and Destiny Child and um, maybe not as much 3LW, but you know, like those groups were, (laughs) I feel like there were, I was going to say like, SWV and but I feel like they're like maybe a little the group ahead yeah. anyways yeah whatever but you know like 702 like they were I, I feel like they were such like a formative part of like 
my younger years and like I remember like so you mentioned like Irish's sister who's in the group Lamisha so it was like Irish Lamisha and Camila who was like the lead singer primarily and then um when Irish's sister Lamisha was out on like maternity leave like her twin sister Orish who you mentioned passed away like she filled in for Lamisha for a while so like I don't it's like I kind of feel like it'll there's something in you it kind of feels like you know these people they kind of feel like distant relatives or something Mm -hmm. um and then like watching the encore like I was just really I really hated the way the twins from Cherish talked to (laughs) Irish and Lamisha like they were so fucking rude to them um and yeah and someone told me that like they wrote a very kind social media posts after Irish passed but just like I don't know I'm just like they like Irish and Lamisha weren't doing anything to like deserve being talked to like that so I I was surprised by how hard seeing she had passed hit me Mm. I I was shocked like I I was just surprised like she was literally just on our tv screens like a year or two ago and seemed to be of good health so it was just yeah just shocking that she had deteriorated so quickly yeah that was heartbreaking um i saw recently that lamisha had got a tattoo with um like both of their names because like lamisha is their older sister so i'm sure that's like even harder but it's like irish and like written vertically and then like around the eye there's like an o so it's like Irish and Irish, but yeah, oh, my heart breaks for her and her family. It's very sad. Keep the the Grinstead family in your prayers. Yeah. Also, in sad news, unfortunately, Suzanne Summers of the fame show Three's Company. I know her from Step by Step and Thighmaster commercials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> so interesting like Suzanne Summers has had she unfortunately succumbed to her like 20-year battle with cancer um one day before her 77th birthday Mm. she had been diagnosed with cancer 20 years ago she mentioned like in interviews past that she has literally had cancer every decade of her life and has like battled it in some form and has overcome it And even Mm. in an interview that she did earlier this year where she mentioned that her breast cancer had come back, she said, I have been living with cancer since my 20s. And every time that little fucker pops up, I continue to bat it back. I do my best not to let this insidious disease control me. It's a recurrence of my breast cancer. Like any cancer patient, when you get that dreaded, it's back and you get a pit in your stomach. Then I put Mm. on my battle gear and I go to war. This is a familiar battle for me and I'm very tough. Mm. She unfortunately passed a couple months after doing that interview. What I think was so like kismet is that because she passed a day before her birthday and her family had already saw that she was on the decline the week before, they all gathered around her to celebrate her birthday. So it was it was almost like they were mourning but also celebrating her life on her birthday and were able to like be around family and friends 
and her husband, who she's been with for what I think like 47 years. And in the article I read, they said they haven't spent more than an hour apart <laughs> since they have been married. Mm-hmm. That's insane. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. nuts. Okay. He goes with you to work. <laughs> oh, I think he was her manager, right? Oh, I'm, I'm not sure if he was her manager because he but was like I, a I mean, TV host. Well, I mean, I hope he was. <laughs> I hope he I was think, getting paid. I, I feel like I heard he was her manager. I mean, still, that's like, you never went on like girls trips or nothing, but like, I mean, that's still like, what a fantastic love affair. You know, codependency. Well, <laughs> maybe a little, a little bit of that. But, but you don't get sick of somebody for 50 years. That's pretty fucking nice. I mean, yes, that is wonderful and she she definitely says her illnesses brought her closer to her family specifically her husband Mm. um and her husband was most concerned he said towards the end because she became like very nonverbal. he said in the um night before she passed he said then when i kissed her because he said he'd been talking to her all day and she wasn't responsive and he said when i kissed her she responded by kissing me back and I knew mm. she heard what I was saying. I talked to her for hours, well into the night, and hoping that she could hear me. And I think she did. Oof. Yeah, I got a little choked up reading that. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> yeah, that that got me a little bit. Wow. Wow. Because if, if you have ever had a loved one or been around someone who is transitioning, it is, it is yeah. such a surreal experience that I I don't think you can even describe it like you you just have to experience it because it's yeah it's tragic but it's also really beautiful at the same time and you do have those moments where you you're not sure if that individual can hear you and to just get that little bit of reassurance to know that they are leaving this world with them knowing that they're loved is uh just really beautiful Ooh, yeah really beautiful so i didn't mean to make us all get emotional um, period but uh it was um it's wonderful that that family got to have kind of those last moments with her are you okay mal damn it i don't (laughs) sorry sorry i think i just like brought some like memories back oh man I know. I just kept thinking about my experience with my grandma and um, her transition. Yeah, I was thinking about my grandma, too. This is my grandmother's robe, and I wear it often. Oh, wow. Oh, I love that. Wow. Um, Well, I will say, I think you've taken the crown away from me, because I don't think I've ever made us cry. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, no, mm. it was really her family and her her husband her son just had really really wonderful things to like say about yeah. kind of their last moments with her and it just it resonated with me yeah i saw her like she had passed it popped up um i think i was uh in california for work last week so i think when i was like in the airport like waiting to fly back I think I just like opened Instagram and it was like the first thing that popped up and like my heart just kind of dropped. I was like, damn, not 
Suzanne. Like, mm. yeah, I don't know. I just like it didn't, didn't hit the same way that like Irish did. I think that one was just like such a shock. She was like so young. And I mean, 76 is still like relatively like young, but like, you know, Suzanne just, I knew she had battled cancer for so long. She had had like a couple other types um, besides breast cancer in her 20s and 30s. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't think I realized it had come back. I thought she was in remission. So I think that was why I was like so shocked to see it. Yeah. Don't share nothing else like that, Cam. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, moving on to, um, I mean, I don't, this, some might find this equally um, sad, but uh, oh. another day. Another Hollywood marriage ends in divorce, or at least in a divorce filing. Jody Turner Smith has filed for a divorce from Joshua Jackson after only a few years of marriage. Okay, that's nowhere near <laughs> as sad as that Suzanne Summer story. Like, please come on now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but this got me to thinking. Like, we've had a lot of surprising. Well, I don't know about surprising, but we've had a lot of celebrity uh, breakups. This year, we had Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner. Who saw that coming? Jeezy and Jeannie Mai. Nobody saw that coming. I was shocked by that one because that just seemed so quick. And like, they like just had a daughter. Like, that seemed kind of out of nowhere. Just had, I think she had also like, you know, posted something about him being a great father, husband, blah, blah, blah. And then like that. I'm just like, wow. Yes. Yeah. My goodness. Uh Kyle and Mauricio, maybe? I don't are they? <laughs> are they? Also, Kenny <laughs> Croy. Are they? I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. Cr- cr- I was like gonna mention that, but I guess I can just mention it now. Like, um, he had filed for a divorce then they retracted it then he filed again and it looks like now this time it's it's going to be permanent she's seeking full custody of the kids but she's open to him having liberal visitation with them or even joint custody and she's also seeking um temporary and permanent alimony i don't know how it can be temporary and permanent but does he have a job i don't know what he does (laughs) (laughs) i mean he's retired from the nfls i don't i i haven't seen him doing like sports anchoring or whatever so i don't know but uh yeah they listed their uh like atlanta mansion for six million dollars so i guess they'll get some money from that but he also he asked her to cover the same thing um alimony attorney fees etc so basically they're both fighting for the the same stuff so they're both oh and and also he also requested legal and sole physical custody of their minor kids so neither one of them has a job (laughs) it's not looking like it i don't know who's gonna pay alimony (laughs) to whom (laughs) right i feel like it just needs to be a clean break at this point (laughs) right you're leaving with nothing i'm leaving with nothing (laughs) (laughs) but i didn't mean to just strong arm your your news story back to to jody and pacey (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jody and Pacey also <laughs> broke up. 
Hugh Jackman and his wife, after 27 years of marriage, they have broken up. Now that one gagged me. I was truly shocked by that. I thought they were forever. Exactly. Like, wow. Obviously, I think we already talked about Miss Tina and Richard Lawson. <laughs> Their breakup. <laughs> we, we did talk about them. Yeah. Going back to Real Housewives, Eva and her husband, Eva Marcel and Michael Sterling, they have broken up. That happened a while ago, though, right? Sometime this year. I'm just going over ones that have happened like this. I was just got you. That were surprised. I was surprised by that. Yeah, because like especially with her, like you know, kind of like crazy ex who was like stalking them. It seemed like they were Mm -hmm. really like her. Michael were like a good team. I was kind of surprised by that. They, I thought they were cute together. So shocking, and um, I think everyone was surprised that uh shannon storms bedore and john jansen have since called it quit <laughs> well we don't have big issues we just have arguments that paralyze me right what's what's a little paralyzing <laughs> argument i mean come on <laughs> everybody has those right <laughs> right just a small little thing i'm temporarily paralyzed after we argue it's no big deal you guys Nope, you know, he won't let me stay at his house. His kids don't like me, but it's no big deal. I have never been more in love. (laughs) Can I say, I might be in the minority on this, but to me, John Jansen looks like um, Lisa's son. Why do we call this man by his first and last name? (laughs) Is it because John is just too generic? (laughs) Like, why do I know this man's full name? John Jansen. And she always says John Jansen every time. I could see if he was a celebrity, but he's a regular ass dude. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh Oh my God. Um, But I feel like he looks like what's Lisa's oldest son? He's about to go on mission. What's his name? Lisa Barlow's son? Jack? (laughs) I feel like he looks like. I think it's Jack because I think Henry is her baby boy. So I think John Jansen looks like Jack in like 40 years. Can you see it? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Maybe, maybe. Take a look at both of them again. Maybe I'm imagining it, but I feel like there's some resemblance there. (laughs) Interesting. I was just gonna say we're not 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 to harp on Real Housewives of Orange County, but and not like Heather Dubrow, like she's a fucking multimillionaire. She doesn't need defending, but the way they were coming after her this season, like that was crazy. And I'm like, how is no one seeing that this is all fucking Tamara? Like that was that was wild to me. What was wilder to me was Tamara at the reunion, like going at auntie and like splitting oh. that rock right she ought to be kissing your ring and she is telling you how to run your show and your ring right. and you're letting her right she said i can't remember what she was like did blah 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 and he was like well no and she was like okay then be quiet i was like whoa i don't think i've ever seen i mean okay i guess Teresa judice did push him but i've never seen anybody Wait, what? Did Teresa judice push andy cohen <laughs> yeah what was the context <laughs> oh my god 
it was like I think she was I don't remember who she was arguing with because it was before I was like really hardcore into New Jersey but she was arguing with somebody Teresa stood up so he stood up trying to like calm her down and but she was you know when you're just so laser focused on somebody mm-hmm. so she I think it was like you're seeing red so she didn't think about who it was she was like get out of my way I'm trying to get to this person I'm arguing with so I feel like to me that's even a little more forgivable because like yes. I feel like she wasn't trying to be like an asshole to you she was just pissed but like Tamara was like legitimately trying to be an asshole yes like what you gonna do Andy is she coming back next season I just feel like you know in the the mean girl world that Bravo operates in you know it's like those rules and standards you gotta retaliate somehow yeah. <laughs> or she's just gonna keep bullying you (laughs) (laughs) yeah you gotta set up some kind of boundary and like I like I I cannot stand her I feel like she has been a terrible person all season but I do feel like she is a big part of why this season was so much better than last season so it's like I I don't know what Andy's gonna do like she kind of brought OC back around but she's an asshole so what do you do I mean yes although I would argue that this season was interesting because of Jen's presence. <laughs> I like Jen so much. She is oddly endearing. Like I, I, yeah, it's not even, to be honest, there's nothing that I like gravitate towards other than I feel bad for her <laughs> that she thinks Tamara is her friend. And yeah. I feel like I have pity more than anything for Jen. Like, I think she's a nice girl. It'll be interesting if she comes back next season to see what she has to offer outside of this, like, Ryan drama, you know? Because outside of that, we really, like, that was her (laughs) storyline. Basically, her being a homewrecker and a cheater. That was, like, her entire, like, back and forth with Tamara was this. So I kind of feel like... Well, I feel like that's all they wanted... I feel like that's all they wanted to give her. And like, that's all that Tamara wanted to make her. Like, you're a home record, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know, she has this like yoga business and she fostered kids and she, you know, adopted a son um, who she had previously fostered. Like, I, I feel like Jen has some cool stuff going on, but like for the drama, because Tamara was involved, like they just focus on the stuff with like ryan and i am nervous for her because i don't know i don't know if ryan's gonna act right but it's not he hasn't (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) he has not yeah i just i don't know i just she just seems like a decent person so i I've, i've liked her this season she does i think she is a good um it's good casting you know she brings kind of a a little bit of a breath of fresh air to it and i i really liked her when (laughs) when gina tried to make her storyline about jen's infidelity and she was like you know this, (laughs) this is about me this isn't about you like i can't i can't fix that for you i don't even know why my shit is triggering your shit (laughs) <laughs> but deal with that right yeah like, yeah jim yes yes why yeah. is gina upset about this 
I love the moments when Jen would kind of snap back, especially uh, those last couple episodes, I think when they were in Mexico mm-hmm. and she was snapping back at Tamara. I was like, yes, the fuck, man. Like, that's right. Like, go off. Finally. Yes, finally. Because Tamara deserves it. But yeah, Shadow, she's kind of like a like a Cynthia Bailey, maybe. No, Cynthia was a no? beast. No. Cynthia is still, Cynthia is interesting and she was, well, she became funnier as the seasons went on. But she was just Cynthia like, was funny. You're right. She was just very, she has the same, like, sweetness as Jen, for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like, you know, maybe Jen could grow into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, you're right. Cynthia is, like, I would say funnier than what we've seen from Jen so far. Right. Anyways, we're not here yes. to talk about so, <laughs> Orange so <Catholic>. far. <laughs> So far, um, let us try. <laughs> well, my divorce segment was going to segue into the next one <laughs> of a couple that we wish would divorce at this point, baby. Don't do that. <laughs> they haven't been together for almost a decade now. Like, okay, just because you don't understand their relationship don't mean they need to divorce. They ain't on nobody's schedule or uh logistics but their own okay jada apologist uh, <laughs> wow oh so now oh so now you hate jada first of all i don't hate jada i don't trust jada I wow do not, i don't trust jada and i will tell you why so listeners uh the background is if you have not been on <laughs> social like a media story <laughs> one time i met jada and i didn't like how the bitch <laughs> talked to me <laughs> So, as you all know, the last couple of years, we have been assailed with uh, more details about the Smith-Pinkett household than we would like to know. (laughs) We were privy to the entanglement, her dalliance with uh, August Alsina, and that Red Table Talk, which, honestly, I think was the only Red Table Talk I watched, like, full. (laughs) Oh, wow. The slap heard around the world, obviously, at the Oscars, where Will defended okay. her honor. Which we both enjoyed. Still enjoy it. Still enjoy it. Okay, okay. Just making sure. Okay. <laughs> Still enjoy it. But she has definitely tainted that moment for me. It's... And and now, Jada has a book coming out uh, titled Worthy. And she's doing everything to drum up press about it. Including telling us that Tupac had alopecia why like we literally just found out who his killer might be <laughs> and lock that man up and he's about to go to trial and you talking about alopecia okay i'm not gonna lie when i saw the alopecia part i did chuckle because i was like wait why are you sharing that part? Like the part about the part about him proposing to her while he was in prison and she was like as soon as you get out you're gonna leave me for somebody else i was like that makes sense because 100 <laughs> because we both watched tons of love after lockup and that <laughs> you want somebody to hold you down when you're in there and then when you get out you're like oh i got all these options and as soon as you, if you're fucking tupac please so that made sense the alopecia part i was like okay now i feel like we're getting to the weeds <laughs> a little bit here too much and i will go back yeah. to this later but part of this uh book unveiling tour she has revealed that her and Will have not been in, they've essentially been living separate lives since 2016. 
They have not lived in the same household. They are married and they still went to, had a public facing uh, relationship, but privately they were living separately. And so from that, that would lead you as a, as a casual viewer of the Smith Pinkett life. What about the entanglement? What about the slap? Like how, how do we view those in context now? So the entanglement, Jada says, I didn't cheat because we weren't actually together. We were separated. We were on a break at the time. And she mentions that red table talk, she wanted to like do it by herself. She wanted to reveal that little tidbit of information. She said, Will was not ready. So he joined her and they did it together. And she just had to swallow it and take it and take essentially the brunt of all that hate. Yes. And to be fair, August spoke on it. She didn't announce it. August spoke on it. That's how it came out. Right. She didn't reveal it. But my issue is she had a show, which I think is coming back, The Red Table Talk, where it was all about transparency, realness, telling your real story. And they even build this as sit down and find out the story from us. And then come to find out that story isn't even real. (laughs) Like, it's not even true. So you're telling Mm -hmm. us, this is my truth. And then you're backtracking years later saying, actually, that wasn't my truth. Even though I told you it was. This is the real truth. What are we supposed to believe? Okay, but like, to be fair, I feel like you're kind of between a rock and a hard place where (laughs) when you were one of the most famous couples to ever exist. And you have been, like, pretty transparent. You're saying, like, you know, we were separated during this time. And you're like, okay, let's just tell the public that, you know, we're, we've been separated for a few years now. And your partner's not ready to do it. And you still have love and respect for your partner. Like, what are you going to do? Like, if Will's not ready to say that, then, okay, well, then let's just say we were, we had broke up for a time. So it wasn't cheating. We got back together. I feel like. Then don't don't even do red table talk. Cause honestly, you didn't have to respond. That was a choice that you made to like Yeah, but I mean to, to I feel like um, they had to say something. They had They didn't. For years they did. there have been there have been rumors about them and their open marriage, which sounds like they have, <laughs> because yeah. they have not been together in yeah. the same household. So for me, it's more it's more that like, yes, this is your story. You are monetizing it via books, podcasts, uh, your red table talk and what have you. But me as a consumer of this media, I don't I don't trust and believe it anymore because even even the slap incident, she's talking about some. Well, I was shocked he called me his wife. <laughs> I thought it was a joke like all of y'all thought it was a joke. But it was like, oh, but were, okay. Wait, I didn't. I didn't hear her say that. You, I didn't hear that. Part. What? How? How did you miss that part? Where she there said, have been so many sound sound bites. <laughs> that is one that I missed. Oh shit! Yeah, yes. I heard that. She said that she was shocked that he referred to her oh. as her wife, as his wife. Yeah, and defended her in that way because they had not been together since 2016, and that to me is like what (laughs) we were we were on your side jada (laughs) 
we were on yeah. your side. We were rooting for you, even with the entanglement. I was still kind of rooting for you. Like, do you, girl? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, like, I'm sure Will's had his entanglement. So sure. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. now I'm just like, I don't, I don't trust this. Like you're on, I just, I don't trust your brand of like authenticity and mm. transparency and honesty, which yeah. is what you have made yourself to be outside of your acting career. I just yeah. want you to act. I don't want to know nothing else about your family. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop. You're you're making me jump on the train of like disliking you. And I want to like you. I do. I want to believe you when you say things, but you're making it very difficult. Yeah. I mean, I do. I still feel like even I'm disappointed to hear that, but I do still feel like Jada has been unfairly villainized. Because people have brought up, I have not read Will Smith's uh, autobiography, but people have said in his book, like he talks about like, I guess like the separation and having like relationships outside of his marriage and all these things. But like people didn't really care about it until Jada brought it up in her book. And they're like, oh, wow, like all she's doing is hurting this man and emasculating him, et cetera, et cetera. Where to me, it seems like two people who have done maybe some stuff to hurt each other maybe some stuff out of emotional maturity maybe they've grown but it does seem like they have a true love whether it's romantic or not and you know respect for each other but one thing that I that's kind of stuck with me and I think you may have mentioned it previously on another episode that Will mentioned his his kind of like obsession with perfection and presenting this perfect image yeah so and I don't I don't feel like that's being brought up now and I could see like Jada trying to appease him with not mentioning things in the moment like with the August Alcina thing because he wants to have this perfectly curated image and so I feel like I don't know I just feel like there's things that he's done that probably hasn't been fair to her that haven't been brought up but regardless of all that, it pisses me off that people are like, take us out the group chat. We don't want to hear none of this no more. I don't. Bullshit. I don't. No, but I, <laughs> but I feel like it's bullshit because people like when it's like, oh, have you heard they have an open relationship? All the shit we've been hearing for like 20 years. And then when it's rumors, just like, oh, did you hear like Halle Bailey's pregnant? Did you hear Queen Latifah has a girlfriend? Like all this shit. And then like when people finally say it, it's like, okay, girl, you're telling us too much. But when we don't know it for sure, then you're dying to talk about it and like have this little like fodder about it. And I, and, I and like- The difference in this situation is they took, you know, front seat of the narrative, right? They did the red table talk. They issued statements and talked about the slap. That's what I have issue. I don't care about how you've lived your life, the things that you've done. It's more so that you have spun it to me and now you're spinning it again. And I don't, I don't know what to trust and believe, you know, like I was supposed to believe you back then. I was supposed to believe you now. Truthfully, like at this point, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to know anything else. (laughs) Some weird shit happens over there. (laughs) It has been confirmed by you and them kids it's more so <laughs> i just feel lied to like i feel like she played us the kids played us gammy played us like 
<laughs> I just <Jimmy>. please. <laughs> I, they all sat up in these red table talks, and I just I feel like it has put an asterisk next to all of that that she has done since then. I don't know. I I think there's part of me that just feels like you don't owe me complete truth. Like you're under such you don't you don't, but you're monetizing it. Okay, but people people monetize a lot worse shit than this. And if they're telling us the the thing about the thing about monetizing your life and like your truth, air quotes, is that you always have to one up yourself, right? So she didn't she gave us a little nugget (laughs) the last couple years about you know the August Alcina stuff, and now she's dropping this to sell a book. Before it was for her show to like get views for that. So now I'm like, what's the next thing gonna be? You you and Tupac uh have a long lost child out there. Like what else is it going to be? I don't know. It just doesn't seem that bad to me. I feel like you're being under that much scrutiny, I feel like it's very hard to judge. And like I said, if if, so you if, love if there being was being lied to, you love being lied to. Apparently, you know saying, if there was something, if there was something much worse, if it was like, oh, they had like a pedophilia ring, or you know, like something <laughs> like that. But then, like having being separated, who gives a fuck? Like y'all don't need to tell me that. Like you had a relationships with other consenting adults, and I get what you're saying. Like they present it themselves to us in a certain way whereas like other people may be doing the same thing and they did not present themselves in that same way but I don't know I feel like in the grand scheme of things I'm just like I just I don't see her as like this terrible liar and this terrible person I'm just like okay maybe you got you know a little loss in the sauce and like well, I see, don't know I just, I'm not singling her out I'm saying the family like they're all fake they're okay. all phony okay they are, it's phony like i don't trust yeah. anything that they put out anymore yeah. like it's all it's all spun it's not yeah. it's not real you know yeah i feel like uh this is the same emotion i had when i actually used to watch the kardashians and then when i found out <laughs> kim had that fake ass marriage to chris humphreys mm-hmm. i was like i can't do this because now this isn't real. What I'm seeing that is supposed to be reality is fake as fuck. <laughs> and I don't, I don't care. There are better scripted series out here. I don't need your scripted bullshit ass life. <laughs> okay, so that might have been around the time I stopped watching. When, I don't know if I realized it was proved that it was fake. When, how was it proved or like what happened on the show? They were only married for like a couple of years, what, months? It was like like 72 days. 72 days. I think she came out and basically said, like, my mother, Chris, encouraged this mm -hmm. to, like, you know, ratings or what have you. Like, it wasn't a real real marriage. That's wild. Why would you encourage a fake marriage? That's ratings money <laughs> yeah but money. like if they're gonna get di- but if they're gonna get divorced in less than three months like that i don't know i okay the ratings are already in girl <laughs> sweeps <laughs> i just i just remember when i was still watching and it seemed like chris pressured kim to pose for playboy do you remember that no but Chris is terrible. <laughs> yeah, because Kim was kind of like, I don't know, you know, I'm trying to get away from the sex tape thing. And Chris was like, but I think it would be a good opportunity. And she, yeah, Kim just seemed very uncomfortable and Chris was really pushing it. So I was like, oh, like this, that kind of like turned me off of it pretty early. Yeah. So 
I mean, you know, to each his own with um the Pinkett Smith dynasty, but um I'm logging off. I'm logging off. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I still like them all right. <laughs> well, do you have any news? <laughs> I do. I feel like you had a lot of news. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, we don't need to go into this, but we talked uh, earlier this year about TJ Holmes, who was having that affair with Amy Robach on mm-hmm. Good Morning America a while mm-hmm. ago. Yep. So him and his estranged wife, uh, their divorce has finally been finalized uh, almost a year after the affair was revealed. So, yeah, not much else, I guess, to say about that. All right. And then in some really nice news, mm-hmm. there is a 93-year-old woman in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Her name is Josephine Wright. And she has been in a battle with a land development company called Bailey Point Investment Group over her home, which she says has been in her family since the Civil War. So apparently um, Bailey offered to buy her home, but when she refused, they started harassing her and like filed a lawsuit against her to try to get control of the property. Hmm. So she's been like fighting to keep her home and somehow Tyler Perry heard about it. So so what what is this connection to TV and film? So yes, Tyler Perry heard about it. And so he was like, what do you need? Like, basically, I'm here to help. So I assume this is a black woman. Yes, this is a 93 year old black woman. Okay. Also, and I'm gonna send you this picture because mama does not look 93. We never do. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But um, so yeah, he gave money to help her um against the fight and he also built her and her family a brand new five bedroom home for her and her grandchildren to live in um i guess not all i guess not all of her grandchildren though because it says she's a grandmother to 40 great grandmother to 50 and great great grandmother to 16 yeah and she said that's a hotel did he build her a hotel? <laughs> right. I guess this is maybe just for her and a couple of them grandkids. But her, she said her husband's relatives had escaped slavery and were freed by Union soldiers. So I guess they built the home that she is currently in after um after he was emancipated, after the ancestor was emancipated. Hmm. So they said uh several of her neighbors like took up and the fight to help her against the developers too and like the the developers they tried to in the lawsuit it was something ridiculous like oh her porch extends onto our property even though the house they were building across the street is like 22 feet away or something like that so it's just like a lot of bullshit but they said other celebrities have also pledged to help including will packer and then they say Fantasia Taylor. Is that Fantasia Barino's married name? I don't know. Is she a Taylor now? I don't okay. know. I was like, I, I don't know another Fantasia. So I thought maybe that was her married name. But I think if Fantasia got money. I, well, I guess she. I think Fantasia, Fantasia stays on the tour now. Okay. <laughs> but um, Miss Josephine's family launched a GoFundMe 
for the legal fees um, and they've raised like $363,000 to date. Unfortunately, in like mid-September, a tree fell onto like the historic home. Mm. Um, Luckily, like no one was there. So nobody got hurt. And again, Tyler is building this like new house for them. So that's great. But hopefully they'll be able to renovate the original home and save that land. So yeah, I'm just... I love Tyler doing stuff like this. I just love in general, black people coming together to like push back against the man. Yeah, that is, uh, go ahead, Tyler. Between him and Byron Allen, they are just saving (laughs) black America left and right. (laughs) You had to get you a Byron Allen mention in here. Do you know Byron (laughs) Allen Put up a bid to buy Disney. That's how much money this nigga got. <laughs> Disney? Disney! Fucking Disney! I think he wow. offered $10 billion? $10 billion for Disney? Oh, shit. That man is rolling in dough. <laughs> okay. Wow. Real G's moving silence like lasagna. Because I had no idea. Child, they don't talk enough about Byron Allen. <laughs> <laughs> they do not. I mean, you you do it enough for everybody, so. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you can offer $10 billion and nobody knows who you are, like you're not on a Forbes list, like that's nuts. That's crazy to me. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I've, I, I just wanted to say quickly, this story kind of hit close to home because one of my best friends is from a coastal area in North Carolina. And she has told me about the area where she's from like i guess after emancipation like black people were able to build homes on what like swampland because mm. it wasn't good for farming but now obviously people don't really care about farming and so a lot of you know these black people have homes that are like on the water like even if it's like you know a little i don't know what's it called like a the intercoastal waterway or whatever so these development companies go to these elderly black people and they swindle them out of their land for like Mm -hmm. much less than what the land is worth especially like elderly black people you know who don't have kids to speak up for them or whatever the case may be so it's just i guess kind of a more uh i guess beach town version of city gentrification that's happening so I'm glad that Tyler's stepping in. Hopefully we can start stepping in in more of these like communities that are, that this is happening in. I just hope this doesn't turn into, what was that? What was it called? Like uh, Manhattan beach in um, LA. It was like where um, oh, they a black that family. Land. Yep. They, yeah. they owned like a hotel uh, beachfront property. Uh, city of LA came and did intimate, in the mint domain took it from them then mm-hmm. gave it back to the family and the family sold that shit for still less than what it was worth <laughs> i was like what what how did we get here how did we why why did y'all do that? okay wait because i heard the family the family just got it back like this year or last year right yes and then i didn't hear that they had sold it yes oh wow why would they sell it for so much less like Y'all don't know how to bargain? That, that is the question. That is the, my people. Damn. My people. Just yeah. Beachfront property yeah. in California. Damn. And you giving that right. up? Right. And not for right. a premium? God 
God, y'all are so silly. Yeah. Y'all are silly. Yeah. Oh, damn. I, I had not heard about that, but that makes me very angry. That shit pissed me off damn. so bad. So please, yeah. uh, Tyler and this uh, 93-year-old woman and her offspring, please don't <laughs> sell this lady's land yeah. at her home. No, I don't think they would do that but hopefully her family doesn't you know turn around and do something like that just sometimes it just infuriates me the the short-sightedness of our people oh yeah as mentioned earlier we are talking about the robert zemeckis 1992 film death becomes her which stars goldie hahn meryl streep and bruce willis it's a film about the undead, like many, we've seen many zombie movies and things like that, but this one kind of has a fun camp twist. The The undead in this film are, they're glamorous, like the dolls are bringing it, so. <laughs> yes, I would love to be an undead in this world, apparently. <laughs> well, I don't know if you would by the end, but at first it seems fantastic. But like all the other people at Old Girls Party seem fine this is true <laughs> this is you gotta stay in Liesel's good graces yes. this is true no you have to take care of your body <laughs> that's what you gotta do that was her one stipulation take care of your body yeah don't get shot through the stomach that's probably helpful <laughs> push downstairs <laughs> yeah so the film starts out that shows 1978 on Broadway and we see Madeline Ashton, who is Meryl Streep's character, is performing in a play called Songbird. And we see people walking out saying it's awful. And then someone says, Madeline Ashton, talk about waking the dead, which great foreshadowing. Um, can we talk about how rude these people were at this play? <laughs> you bought a ticket and then you walked out? Like, sis wasn't singing off-key. The notes weren't shoddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, what What were you coming here expecting that she didn't yeah, get? Yeah, I, I feel like I've certainly seen worse plays. <laughs> My God, yes. <laughs> yes, I definitely have. I can't think of a single thing other than being, like, offended by something that I have bought a ticket for and then left. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like if right. it's not good i'm gonna like just suffer through it <laughs> probably yeah i'm gonna be hard pressed to not get every like cent out of a dollar spent <laughs> right <laughs> this off off broadway production <laughs> right <laughs> so everyone hates it like we see like inside of the performance like madeline's on stage like singing doing her little dance number people are actively walking out like they're not even waiting until like the 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 act ends like they're just like i gotta get the fuck out of here but then we this see number is trash <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> Um, then we see Helen Sharp, who is Goldie Hawn's character, and Dr. Ernest Melville, or Melville, Menville? Melville, Men I think. Menville. Oh, it is Menville. Menville. I thought I had wrote that down wrong. Okay. Dr. Ernest Menville, played by Bruce Willis, and Ernest is mesmerized, and we I wrote see- the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
he, he's never seen anything better or more spectacular in his life and we see helen looking over at him like oh no and that's kind of like our first hint that like trouble's afoot mm-hmm. so i want to mention i feel like maybe their names are on purpose because throughout the movie madeline and helen call each other mad and hell mm-hmm. yeah and which is why at the beginning I did the mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Oh, okay. okay. Yes. I see the tie-in now. <laughs> Thank you for and connecting th- those dots. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and then with Dr. Ernest Minville, Ernest meaning um resulting from or showing sincere and intense conviction. Mm. So I felt like that was very fitting for him as well. Mm-hmm. And that his name is last name is menville and this is heavily biased Mm. towards women and their aging process and says nothing about the male aging process yeah i I really want to circle back to that at the end because that uh i felt really was loud at the end of this film Mm -hmm. so after the play uh matt or helen and ernest go backstage and we find out that helen and madeline are old friends we don't really know how yet but we can tell they know each other and then once helen introduces ernest madeline is like oh dr ernest menville the famous plastic surgeon and so she's like immediately interested in him too And then we find out after Helen and Ernest were back home that this was kind of a test. She purposely introduced him to Madeline to see if he could pass the Madeline Ashton test because she had lost men to Madeline before. And he says, I have absolutely no interest in Madeline Ashton. Literal next scene, it's him (laughs) and Madeline getting married. (laughs) Now... At this point, did this feel like she devil to you? <laughs> this felt so familiar. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think I told you, like, especially because I feel like I watched this film and she devil multiple times as a kid. So as an, I didn't watch either of them again until maybe like 2020. Uh-huh. So I kind of had them mixed up in my head, especially because like Meryl Streets in both of them. Yep. So yes, 100%. <laughs> they like remind me of each other. Yeah. I kept reading like all of these articles that were talking about like how unique this movie is. And I was like, (laughs) this felt like she devil the entire time. And when did she, you know, came out in 1989 and this movie was 1992. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, it's so funny that Meryl's in both of those two. (laughs) Both and basically plays the same character. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I thought it was kind of funny in this film, but I guess it makes sense because she was the same character, basically, and she devil. But I feel like if we look at the roles that like Meryl and Goldie have played, I feel like you would kind of think of Goldie being more like the bombshell. And, yeah, like, absolutely. And Meryl playing more of the uh, book nerd writer kind of, or bookworm writer kind of role. But yeah, I feel like they both did great in their respective roles. Oh yeah, it's a cl- it's a cult classic for a reason. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So the movie fast forwards, and it's seven years later, and we see Helen has become completely isolated from the outside world. She's gained a good bit of weight, and she is a certified cat lady. The cats <laughs> are all over her house; they're on kitchen Everybody. counters. 
kitchen out of kitchen cabinets and her only joy seems to be watching films where uh madeline is where a character that madeline is playing gets killed mm-hmm. and she basically just rewinds it like over and over and she's getting evicted and even while like her landlord and the cops are knocking on her door she's rewinding mm-hmm. this part of the film where madeline i think she was getting shot by michael kane or Michael Caine is somewhere in this film. <laughs> She's like, I gotta watch this one more time before I get kicked out of here. So she is taken to a psychiatric hospital and she's doing, I guess, like a group therapy session. Did you notice who the psychiatrist is? Uh, a black woman who I recognize and know, but I don't know her name. So that is Elena Reed Hall, who is Rose on 227. yes that's where i know her from yeah and i thought it was interesting because she played rose on 227 and in this film madeline's maid is named rose kind of a Hmm. stretch but that was interesting so elena as the psychiatrist is going around asking what people want to talk about she gets to helen and helen's like i want to talk about madeline ashton and you see the other patients like Uh. (laughs) (laughs) like they're about to have a breakdown so it's like this she has talked about this woman so much that she's driving like everyone else up the wall right when other you know mentally ill individuals are fed up with your shit it's time to to something about it you're doing far too much (laughs) (laughs) so then we see she's in the psychiatric hospital and then we see Madeline and Ernest seem miserable. We get a glimpse into their home. Ernest isn't sleeping in the same room. He's basically staying drunk all the time to cope with life. And we find out that he was his famous plastic surgeon and now he is an undertaker. So something's happened when it's apparently crushed his spirit so much that he's not a plastic surgeon anymore. Madeline goes to a maybe spa because um, Helen has sent them an invitation for her book party. So she wants to look great and as young as possible. So she's asking for something called like a plasma separation. And the woman who was, (laughs) yes, the French woman who is supposed to, she's seeing that day is like, uh no mademoiselle like you can't have this you have to wait at least six months and madeline's like it's been almost six months and six months and she's like it's been three weeks so you you can't do this so then like her (laughs) boss for me i kept thinking about that lisa barlow story of her going to that tanning salon (laughs) demanding to get a tan 30 minutes before they close and like being wearing that like a badge of honor (laughs) like she's banned from this tanning salon it was very much lisa barlow energy like (laughs) i want this plasma separation treatment now you'll be because i'm like this isn't making you sound good lisa like why did you just wait till the next morning or go earlier that day like right or if you're so wealthy buy your own tanning booth <laughs> yeah yeah you could certainly afford to have a tanning bed in your home but whatever it's it's my face i'm not changing <laughs> it was very much lisa barlow energy <laughs> <laughs> now that you now that you say that i like can't unsee it 
<laughs> so yeah so then um the french woman's like boss or the owner of the spa or whoever pops up and she he's basically telling her like if you really want long-lasting results you should go see liesel and then he gives her this card for liesel von rumen and but like the way he's saying it is kind of weird so she's mm-hmm. like when he leaves the room she's like uh okay hell no that was weird so she tears the card in half and just drops it into her purse so madeline and ernest go to helen's book party and they're just like oh the poor thing like i know she's been through it blah 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 they see her both of them are gagged mama is snatched <laughs> to the <Stunting>. gods honey <laughs> right, right. Like, giving bad bitch is an understatement. Like, they didn't know (laughs) what to do with themselves. (laughs) So, Helen and Ernest have a chat. They go off somewhere, have a little private chat. And she says, she's like, you know, what happened to you? Like, Madeline's turned you from this brilliant surgeon into an undertaker. And Madeline is hearing Helen saying all this to Ernest. So she's like you know starting to feel a way about it and starting to feel self-conscious I think about her looks and whatever her station in life so the next day or so we see she goes to visit her younger (laughs) mistress is there do you just do you call men mistresses too Uh, what's the word what's the term I guess he's not a gigolo but just uh no paramore sure (laughs) sure so she goes to see her younger male mistress slash paramour his name is dakota and he's like it's not a good time and she's like what the hell's going on so then he sees that i I love how she says how dare you make me feel cheap (laughs) while while going to her lover's (laughs) home (laughs) how dare you make me feel cheap for coming here and cheating on my husband <laughs> <laughs> right and from her saying that did you do you think this was like a sugar mama situation or just strictly like sex sex i thought he like worked for her and she basically because he like tried to say whoever he was with was like someone who knew the gardener who knew like someone else that worked for ah, her basically okay. like yeah he's just like hired dick essentially <laughs> So not strictly sugar baby, but kind of doing double, double jobs. Yeah. Like you work for me and this is your tip. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) So, yeah. So he sees, or Madeline sees that Dakota's cheating on her, or I guess kind of cheating on her with someone who looks closer to his age. And between this and the book party, she's like, all right, it's time to go see Liesl because I am sick of this shit. Also. Another favorite quote from that scene is where he's like trying to explain away what he's doing and like who he's with. And she's like, oh, for Christ's sakes, if you're going to lie, do it quickly. <laughs> and then doesn't he say like, I'm trying to or something? Yes. Yeah. He said, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> and then what is even crazier to me is how he how he goes on about like we don't even look good together we look ridiculous you could be my grandma like he goes in on this woman in her age and how he is so much younger than her and how they look ridiculous together and i was like 
this would never be a thing with men (laughs) (laughs) right she doesn't look that old to be your grandma yeah to be clear Meryl Streep I believe was 43 (laughs) when she filmed this so certainly not (laughs) and playing like a 50 year old (laughs) yeah like she had makeup to make her look older when when she was supposed to be 50 so yeah and this guy was probably like I don't know 26 27 so definitely not a grandmother I was like, these beauty stereotypes are wild. Meanwhile, Bruce Willis with his, like, wiry hair, which is weird to see Bruce Willis with hair. And I feel like even that was probably, like, fake. Because he was probably bald. Oh, you don't think that was his? No, I feel like he might have gone bald by 92. Oh, it looked convincing. I can't remember. Maybe maybe 94. But, yeah. It might have still been real at that point. It looked convincing, but I was like, these women are worried about looking old. Meanwhile, old Bruce, uh, what's his name? Melvin? Ernest. Ernest. (laughs) Ernest over here looking about 55. (laughs) And that's funny because Ernest is, or Ernest, Bruce is younger than both of them. He's now 68. Uh, I believe Meryl is 73 or 74 and Goldie's 77. Oh wow! So, oh yeah, he, he's the youngest. <laughs> he looked the oldest. In this <laughs> but I think they may have put makeup on at least him and Meryl. Oh yeah, because they were supposed to be older yeah. than they were. So, which speaking of, oddly enough, this movie won an Academy Award for like its visual effects. Yes, it sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, okay, I guess this was the Matrix of 1992 because <laughs> they look real basic watching it now. For 92, they, they were pretty good. I was pretty impressed with um, Old Girl's Hole and like the continuity. Of- that is my favorite part of this movie. Like, And that was like the one, even though I hadn't watched this movie since I was probably like five years old, that was the one part I remembered. <laughs> but like, I remembered, I was getting it mixed up because like the movie poster bruce willis like she has the hole on the movie pulser but bruce willis is holding a candelabra like mm-hmm. through it and i was remembering that and on the movie poster goldie's in white Meryl's in red and then the actual scene it's reverse where goldie's in red yeah. and Meryl's yeah. in white so i kind of got those mixed up but yeah that hole in her stomach is I've, i feel like that's the fucking like peak of the movie oh yeah there's another scene i like with with her hole <laughs> <laughs> pause <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so madeline goes to liesel's house and it looks like and the adams family house varies <laughs> pretty much like it's um you know pretty spooky looking and it's like thundering and lightning so that's adding to the ambiance and not to mention your boy answering the door in what looks like like an american gladiator outfit <laughs> like what yeah. was that there was a moment <laughs> where when i watched this the first time i like zoned out and i came back to it i was like who's this wrestler nigga <laughs> like why <laughs> why is he in this outfit <laughs> and i wish i had looked at the cast before i watched because one of those dudes, I don't know which one, but one of them is Fabio. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I, I do that answers the door. Is it, 
I didn't know if it was him or the one who was like sitting on the couch who wouldn't move. I just love that um, he was one of her bodyguards, but I love that later on in the movie, uh, they name her three bodyguards and they're Tom, Dick, and Harry. Harry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um and i also like noticed after because i had noticed rose from 227 right away but apparently there's like another psychiatrist or someone who works at the psychiatric hospital who is played by deborah joe rupp who's like the mom on that 70s show and i i did not catch her at first no yeah (laughs) but so anyways while madeline is at liesel's house Helen goes to Ernest's house and she has this all pl- this plan planned out where she's going to go there like in a panic asking for Madeline. So she gets there like, oh, I need I need to see Madeline. And Ernest is like, well, she's not here. So Helen's kind of like, perfect. So she starts pushing up on Ernest. And I was like, I can't believe she still wants like this nerd after all these years. But did she actually want him? I thought he was just collateral damage for her uh, revenge plot against Madeline. I think she did because it wasn't until later in the film when Ernest wants to leave and Helen or Madeline's like, okay, but just like touch us up um, and then you could go. Are you okay with that? And Helen's like, yeah, I'm okay with it now. So I think before she was still kind of like wanting him back. Even Mm. if it was to get back at Madeline, I think she did want him. Okay. So we go back to Madeline at Liesel's creepy mansion. Liesel comes out, played by Isabella Rossellini, and she presents the potion to Madeline. And she's like, you know, how old do you think I am? And Madeline's like 38. (laughs) (laughs) Liesel kind of looks a little offended and then she's like wait no 33 28 23 like I I don't know what you want me to say and I read that Isabella Rosalini was 39 when she played this role um honestly when she said 38 I was like oh I would have given her a solid 45 because 38 is very close to my own age (laughs) and she does not look the same age as me for for 1992 i would have guessed like a 34 i don't i'm very bad at like aging white people like i just i can't it's hard i always think they're older than they actually are yikes unfortunately i'm not gonna touch that one (laughs) but i think i literally just reacted to 38 i was like i'm only 37 i definitely look younger than this bitch although isabella rossellini looked phenomenal in this film she was basically naked the entire movie oh she's stunning yeah i was like i did i did not know she was such a bad bitch i feel like what was she in uh six cents (laughs) oh you know you know i didn't see that movie now what there's some movie i saw her in and i was like i can't even believe this is well, like she was in person. um i think blue velvet i think that's like mm-hmm. maybe her biggest movie which i also don't think i ever saw maybe i'm thinking of a different person from um because also would have been with bruce willis <laughs> <laughs> i thought she was his wife in six cents but maybe not but <laughs> I just feel like I've definitely seen her in other things and just never would have given her like, you know, vixen, nondescript, like gypsy woman. 
who's naked oh oh i think i feel like in the 90s i feel like she was very much like oh yeah oh i had no idea i mean again i didn't see blue velvet but from what i hear i think it's like a very sexual movie so yeah i think she was like very much seen as like a vixen okay what was okay yeah that was 1986 but anyways yes isabella was a bad bitch in I had I had no idea. I had no idea until this movie. (laughs) She looked great. (laughs) So, so anyways, Liesel Isabella's character presents the potion to Madeline and tells her, or after she guesses um, Liesel's age incorrectly, Liesel says she's seventy-one, and she tells Madeline that the potion stops the aging process dead in its tracks. I feel like the dead also a little oh, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. So Madeline smartly asks, how much is it? And Liesel says the price is different from everyone. So she writes something down on a little card. and shows Which is it kind of wild. Because I'm like, how much did he- Well, we'll get there. How much had the other people paid? <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. If I found out, I gave away my life savings <laughs> and somebody else paid $10 for it. You know? <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Like I paid like $87,000. You got it for 2000 Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a little, little swindled. Pissed. I'm bamboozled out here. <laughs> I guess she has an idea of what everyone's like net worth is like. Because <laughs> so, at first I was like, is she going to write down like, oh, you have to give me your like firstborn? You know, is it something like not monetary? Right. And then I was like, oh, it, no, it's all monetary. So I guess she just knows like the net worth. But writes it down, shows it to Madeline and Madeline's like, no, thanks. And then Liesel gets like a dagger and jabs. I don't know why she does it so aggressively, but she like jabs <laughs> a hole into Madeline's finger and Madeline screams are you nuts and but then Liesel gets a drop of the potion drops it onto the wound to show Madeline how the potion works and so Madeline looks at the back of her hand and like the veins and the liver spots and all that are instantly gone so then Madeline says check okay (laughs) <laughs> right cash check or sell you take right. sell. <laughs> do i need to get a money order i have to wait for the <laughs> bank to open tomorrow but we can make that happen <laughs> so then as madeline's writing out the check liesel is telling her the stipulations and she's like you can never tell anyone about this and after 10 years once people start getting suspicious about you not aging, you have to disappear. So you can retire, you can stage a phony death, you can do whatever you want to do to get off the grid. And then she mentions a client she had who publicly said, I want to be alone, yeah. <laughs> and that is a nod to Greta Garbo, mm. who is a Swedish film star of the 1930s. And she'd grown tired of Hollywood, Miss Sweden, etc. So she basically retired from film when she was like, I think, 35 or 36. And then she was interviewed in 1955 for Life magazine. And she said that she had never actually said that. Oh. Um, she said, what I actually said was, or she said, quote, I only said, I want to be let alone, not I just want to be alone. So 
yeah what what is let alone i think like she didn't like the tabloids and the gossip and stuff of hollywood so not like she wanted to live in solitude she just didn't want to be like hassled hmm I thought it was interesting that she quoted Greta Garbo because Isabella Rossellini's mom in real life is another famous Swedish actress, Ingrid Berman, mm. who starred in Casablanca. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another um, iconic line that came from that scene is <laughs> before uh, Liesl gives her her warning of you have to take care of your body. Mm-hmm. Meryl says, "Now a warning!" <laughs> right after she drank it, after she drank, after she paid her money, all of it. Like now, now you want to tell me the side effects? Ooh, Meryl was so fucking funny in this movie. <laughs> a oh warning! <laughs> I think I like rewound that part because that had me like laughing out loud. So. Before Madeline leaves, Liesl puts this little like pin onto her jacket and Madeline stops and is like admiring herself in the mirror. And she's like seeing herself growing younger before she can even like get out the door. So she is like pleased with what she decided to do. And then we see back of the house, Helen and Ernest are making out. And Helen comes up with this plan for Ernest to get away from Madeline without a divorce because he's worried about, like, you know, Madeline's going to take all my money and, you know, basically, like, ruin me. What, so she, was he worried? Because <laughs> I feel like your girl leapt from divorce <laughs> to murder <laughs> very quickly <laughs> and didn't I mean, have to convince him. <laughs> I feel like he may have been, like, a little worried about it, but I don't think... I definitely don't think he was thinking, oh, I have to murder her instead of divorcing. Like, that was... But the rationale was just, like, divorce her in California? What? (laughs) Oh, murder her instead. (laughs) It's cheaper. Right. And I feel like Ernest is a, a fairly, like, obviously a very book smart person to be a surgeon, but a pretty weak individual because he's like, oh, yeah, like, Whatever anybody says, he's like, oh, yeah, like, let's do that. First of all, that scene where she was talking about um, when she showed up to the house, uh, and he was like, how did you get in the gate? <laughs> she was like, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> she also showed up in the same dress from her party, even though everybody else had changed. <laughs> she was still in that same outfit. That's true. <laughs> And she started just whispering the word like sex, different variations of sex, sex, sexy, sensual, <laughs> sexual. And that <laughs> turned him on. I was like, God, I miss the days when men were this simple. Because <laughs> now, God damn. <laughs> you got to say some off the wall shit <laughs> to get them interested, let alone aroused. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, he also probably had had sex with Madeline in like five years or more. So he was probably like, oh my God, anything, please. <laughs> it was pathetic. Like, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you should, Helen comes up with this plan to kill Madeline. And so she, it involves like putting some kind of poison along the rim of like, 
each like one each of all their wine glasses so that when Helen comes over for dinner regardless of what Madeline drinks out of like it'll knock her out basically and so once Madeline's knocked out they'll take her up to Mulholland Drive leave her in a car in the driver's seat with her foot on the gas <laughs> and then Ernest is going to make an anonymous call to 911 saying he saw a drunk woman swerving and then they'll let her car go off the cliff oh I forgot they also put a ridiculous amount of liquor bottles into the bathroom <laughs> it was like maybe like 17 liquor bottles like more than any person could drink by themselves right in one sitting for sure right. <laughs> <laughs> so those are all the passers see and then just for a little razzle dazzle they put one into her hand <laughs> between her hand and like the steering wheel did you also see they had one underneath the steering wheel, like holding it in place? Oh, maybe that's the one I thought was in her hand. And they- no, no, it was two bottles. She had one in her hand. Yes, she had one in her hand, and there was one on her lap between oh her and the steering wheel, holding it in place. Oh my! I missed the one on her lap. That's- <laughs> had all these liquor bottles and then in the plot that we're seeing this fantasy of helen pours like a bunch of liquor all over the car so the idea is that once the car goes over the cliff and it crashes against the cliffs it'll ignite start a fire because of all the alcohol and her body will be unrecognizable because of the fire and it'll just be like oh she was driving drunk case closed So. Ernest is again weak so he's like oh yeah like it'll be like self-defense because she's been putting me through all this as you have (laughs) told me about Helen so she caused me to break up my engagement to you and she caused me to be an alcoholic (laughs) (laughs) right she made me lose my career as a plastic surgeon (laughs) so once Madeline gets back, her and Ernest get into an argument and he makes the mistake of calling her cheap and some other names. And she goes cheap, off. Cheap is clearly a trigger for my girl. Yes, which we find out a bit more why it's a trigger later. Um, so then she goes off on him and uh, calls him a flaccid undertaker and says he's just as dead below the waist as his clients. So, then he starts choking her but then he stops and he apologizes but when he stops she's like on the edge of the top step like it's kind of like a cartoon yes just like stuck like waving your arms like (laughs) wally coyote for five minutes right (laughs) yes so she's yelling like help me help me help me and then she says hurry up you wimp (laughs) and then that pisses him off so he very lightly taps her and she falls backwards and takes a very nasty seemingly deadly fall down the stairs you would have thought those were the dupont metro steps (laughs) they they, the b-roll on her falling lasted forever (laughs) she fell for like five minutes (laughs) right great point because those stairs I don't think a fall down those stairs should have did that much damage. No. But if they're anything like the DuPont steps, 
you're not surviving. <laughs> if you fall, if you take a tumble, you're not getting back up. I don't know if I've ever told you this. When I was here, before I lived in D.C., I came up for Obama's inauguration in 2009. We were coming out of the DuPont Metro. The escalator stopped halfway up <laughs> and we had to walk the rest of the way up. I have never, I was, I'm always terrified of falling backwards on escalators, but like the DuPont escalator is so fucking tall, like, and steep. Like it is Insane. terrifying. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's insane. <laughs> I thought you were gonna sur- say you survived. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And I'm always scared someone in front of me is gonna fall, and it's just gonna be like a bowling ball effect, and just knock down. A oh, bunch I'm of- ducking. I'm ducking, and you're flying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if they're not coming super fast in my mind, I feel like I could reach out and like grab their shirt. And like save them, I mean, save save a hoe out here. No, like save them and me. Like, you're you're grabbing their shirt, but what are you holding on to? I'm holding on to the escalator rail to my right (laughs) because then I feel like you know, I might fall like on my knees, but I feel like I could stop the the speed, I could slow the speed down that they're falling. I mean, who who are you, like Wonder Woman? Like, who? It's that funny is you your see. toxic trait, thinking you could save someone from falling down the escalator at the okay. DuPont Metro station. I may have a little bit of a savior complex. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I've definitely thought that before. And Wonder Woman is my favorite superhero. So I appreciate the comparison. <laughs> well... <laughs> When I was in, I, I don't have any tattoos and I don't think I would ever get one. But when I was in high school, I used to think if I got a tattoo, I would get the Wonder Woman symbol. So you're pretty spot on. Well, <laughs> I would love to be a fly on the wall when you do this. <laughs> I mean, knock on wood, this will never happen. Like, I don't. And he's much- taking the metro. <laughs> okay, girl, I haven't taken the metro since 2019. If, I was going to say like 2012 late. for me. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely haven't taken it since COVID. But even before that, I don't know when the last time I took it was. It's awful. That's yeah, awful. I hate I hate it. And, and who's DC, taking it to DuPont? <laughs> yeah. In DC, you don't, it's not like New York. You don't really. I mean, well, I, that sounds, we sound very privileged right now. I'll say if you have a car, you don't really need to use it in DC. <sighs> I disagree. If you need to get somewhere expeditiously, you still need a car because the metro and the bus system are not. No, no, no. I'm saying, I was saying we sound privileged because we're like, who takes the metro? But I'm saying if you have a car, then you don't really need to take the metro in DC. Fair. Whereas like in New York, you it's kind of it's kind of hard to drive places. You kind of need like taxi, Uber, or metro. Fair. DC is still a very car dominant city, as much oh, yeah. as uh, gentrifiers and transplants would like it to not be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as much as people here want to act like it's a big city, let's, <laughs> let's. It's like five by five square miles. Like everybody, well, I'm gonna get cursed out. Let me shut up. <laughs> no, I'm I'm <laughs> so sick. As someone who's a uh, who bikes, 
and mm-hmm. is, prefers a bike lane if I'm going to bike in the city. I like mm-hmm. to be protected, but I am not for taking a lane that cars drove in or parked in to convert it to a bike lane. Not for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am mm-hmm. not for it. Because at the yeah. end of the day, this is not a convenient city to take public transportation. It is yeah. still faster to drive a car from point A to point B than it is yeah. to take public transportation. Yeah. I was driving down a street this week where I was like, when did we lose a lane? I literally was just <laughs> on the street last week. I drive on it every week to go to work. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the lane's gone. <laughs> the lane's gone. And now there's bike lanes. And I don't ever see motherfuckers biking on that shit. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. And I tell you, take the sidewalk away before you take (laughs) a lane for driving cars on. I'll tell you what drives me crazy is someone who does not bike on main streets, (laughs) bikers who want to bike in the lane like they could ever go as fast as a car. Like, I, I understand, like, in the more in the heavier areas, if you're downtown, you can't really be up on the sidewalk because there's too many people walking. Yeah. But like in most other places, especially like on the outskirts of D.C. or if you're in Virginia or in Maryland, you could get on that sidewalk. There's not that many people up there. I will say it depends on the laws. Like D.C., you are supposed to ride in the street, not on the sidewalk. So it's it depends. It depends on your local law. Get the fuck out of my way. You're going 12 miles per hour. I don't give a fuck. Get on the fucking sidewalk. (laughs) Now, as someone who bikes, I feel better on a sidewalk than I do like in the street or an unprotected Mm -hmm. bike lane. Because niggas here are crazy. (laughs) When I I bike, I do too. Yeah. Agreed. And I I acknowledge that even as someone in a car who is cognizant of people on bikes, I have still almost hit people on bikes (laughs) several times in the city. (laughs) Because they don't care about their well-being and safety. They just be riding. They don't. (laughs) I feel like cyclists in this city in particular put their safety on the onus of people who are operating motor vehicles. And I feel like it should be a two-way street. I shouldn't be more concerned about your safety than you are. It should be a mutual thing (laughs) where you are exercising (laughs) caution and so am I. (laughs) Yes. Because these bikers are reckless out here. So (laughs) reckless. Yes. Uh, How the fuck did we get here? I just had to get on my soapbox about that. Like, it just makes me so angry because I I am on both teams. But at the end of the day, I am team car. (laughs) I'm very, I feel like I drive most places, but I'm very pro-pedestrian. Like, I will always stop. Like, yeah, you want to cross the street? Absolutely. If you have the light, sure. I will give you a pass. If you are trying to walk and while I'm trying to get to work, you're getting a strong horn and I'm speeding through. You better get out the way. <laughs> damn. <laughs> you God, better damn. get out the way. Oh, you're real crazy. Okay. <laughs> I'm not crazy. I'm just, I need, you clearly don't have the fear of God that you need to have in you. Oh my so God. So I'm going to scare you a little bit <laughs> for you to act right. Okay, well, if, if y'all see Cam coming at y'all, get the fuck out the way. My God. I mean, I, 
Like I would, I might honk, but I don't think I wouldn't risk hitting someone i'm not i'm i don't i don't rev my engine i don't speed up to hit people but it's i will honk. like you do i okay. will honk and i will okay. continue driving at the speed i am you need to get out the way all right okay because well. you shouldn't be there because you shouldn't be there the light yeah. tells you to stop <laughs> i also like when people cross the street and they do i do this sometimes like i'll do a little hop like to show like oh i'm I'm not trying to take up too much of your time. Sorry, like, girl, but I'm trying to get out the way. <laughs> like, it's not making it any faster, but it's showing you that I'm not bullshitting. So it's I'm like, trying. I am right. trying. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> I, I do hate when I stop and people lollygag or they're looking at their phones crossing the street. I'm like, fuck you, because I didn't have to do this. It's just like people like when you hold the door and they don't say thank you. That might be my biggest pet peeve. Ooh. I hate it. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. I, I also I hate holding a door and then looking back and seeing that it's a man. Like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> Being courteous with your ass. As long as they say thank you, it doesn't bother me. Ciao. Mm-hmm. In this city. <laughs> In this city. <laughs> Anyways, Cam, please, why are we? I mean, we're just like Andy Rooney. Like, you know what grinds my gears? Like, we're so and another fucking- thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so fucking off topic. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, we how did we get here? <laughs> because Ernest pushed Madeline down the stairs and you mentioned the DuPont escalator. <laughs> That's how we got here. <laughs> And if you don't live in D.C., Google DuPont Metro Station Escalator. And you they're, treacherous. <laughs> they're treacherous. No, it's, they're treacherous. It's pretty fucking terrifying. <laughs> so after this happens, Ernest immediately calls Helen. And she's basically like, you idiot. Like, why would you call me before you call the cops? Like, they're, they're going to look at, like, your phone record and they're going to get suspicious. But while he's on the phone with her, we see Madeline in the background and we see her body kind of like getting up in a very awkward unnatural way and then she starts walking towards him face first but also back first because her head (laughs) is turned around in a 180 and when she comes up he's freaked out because one he thought she was dead two her head is facing over her back and then once she realizes that she can see her ass, she's also freaked out. So Ernest, um, I, she does, she's like, Ernest, like, help me. And he's too scared to do it. So she kind of twists her neck back around. But he's like, we got to get you to the hospital. So he takes her to the hospital. The doctor is examining her. Well, first and- of all, the hospital is called, maybe this is where uh, Marlo maybe got her uh, business name from. Not archive. It is La Hospital. Beverly Hills. I didn't even notice that. (laughs) But not even L-E. It is L apostrophe hospital. (laughs) Why why would that ever be a thing in L.A.? I wonder if that's, that can't be real. But honestly, you know, from my background, I'm seeing this, this whole hospital scene. I was like, this is a fancy ass hospital. Uh, they had palm trees and palm wallpaper. They had like pink and green furniture. The <laughs> morgue was like all marbled. I was like, this shit is fancy. 
<laughs> yeah, they did have that like wallpaper and like curtains and stuff that looked leafy. It looked mm-hmm. just like Blanche Devereaux's bedroom on Golden Girls. Yes. <laughs> I did notice that. <laughs> so when they get inside a room and the doctor is examining Madeline and he like can't hear a pulse like he's trying to um use this stethoscope to get a heartbeat which wasn't wasn't the doctor will's dad sydney pollock from uh willie grace i was trying to figure out because he looks so familiar i was like this isn't elliot gould but who is this and i let me see if that's him it is i i that is the dad from will and grace oh god what is his name yeah, Sydney Pollock is yes. Sydney Pollock is ER doctor and death becomes her. Oh, that is him. Mm-hmm. It didn't come up when I searched him, and now I'm like looking. He must have. I guess he was uncredited, maybe because he doesn't pop Which up. Kind of wild. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, Sydney Pollock playing the ER doctor <laughs> cannot find a pulse. And he says her body temperature is below 80 degrees. So he leaves the room. And this is kind of the first time that Madeline is realizing that the potion has done something and is making her see appear dead or her vitals read as dead or whatever. So Ernest runs out the room and he's screaming for a doctor to come help. And then he eventually finds all the doctors in one room and they're trying to resuscitate Sidney Pollock because he's gone into shock over (laughs) (laughs) Madeline basically being dead. Another iconic line when he finds out where they, because he goes back to the room and finds out she's gone. (laughs) And they tell him where she is, which is uh, the mortuary or Mm -hmm. the morgue. Thank you, the morgue mortuary. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh, she's going to be so upset. Yeah. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. If, I feel like if you've ever been in a relationship where you had to walk on eggshells with someone, <laughs> that line is very close to home. <laughs> like, doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. It's like, oh, no, they're inconvenienced. They're going to be pissed. <laughs> like, y'all thought she was dead. this is gonna be hell for me (laughs) so Ernest gets her out of the morgue and he takes her back home and we had learned earlier that his way of making people look natural when he prepares them for funerals is using spray paint so he is using spray paint to make her look more lively graffiti artist out here (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) so while he's like spray painting her helen shows up because the last thing helen heard was the phone call about her madeline falling down the stairs so she shows up like a shovel and all this shit and she's like let's go like i'm ready to bury her ass she's ready to do some crime (laughs) (laughs) cover it up (laughs) so while Helen and Ernest are talking about what their original plans were, Madeline overhears and she comes down and confronts Helen. And then she walks away, gets a shotgun, comes back, shoots Helen directly in the stomach. 
and sends Helen flying backwards into their backyard pond. So Ernest, of course, freaks out and he's like, oh my God, she's dead, she's dead. And Madeline says, is she? Oh, these are the moments that make life worth living. <laughs> Which is hilarious because she's dead and we're about to find out, or I guess part of the un- undead. And uh-huh. then we're about to find out that Helen is also part of the undead because as Madeline and Ernest are preparing to roll Helen into some kind of tarp so they can go bury her in Death Valley, she stands up and we're seeing Helen through the hole in her stomach, which I thought was like (laughs) a really cool shot. And so now we kind of know, like if you didn't know before, that she had also took Liesl's potion and well she had so the pin liesel gave madeline a pin when she left her and we see that helen is wearing that pin at her new like coming out party and then also when she goes to um talk to bruce's character ernest ernest oh i didn't i didn't notice it at the party i didn't notice it until madeline notices it after helen gets out of that pond Mm. that was the first time i noticed it so yeah they're like ernest and madeline are like what the fuck and then madeline sees like cam Um, mentioned they both have that same pin another iconic line (laughs) from this when they're talking about like what are we gonna do with helen we're gonna bury her body (laughs) <laughs> and Meryl or Madeline says do you know what they do to soft bald men <laughs> soft bald yes. republicans in prison <laughs> let's clean this up <laughs> right yes so that's how Madeline basically blacks male Ernest into bearing Helen in Death Valley <laughs> he was like you're right let's let's do this <laughs> Because again, Ernest is a very weak person. (laughs) (laughs) So then um, Madeline and Helen are kind of getting into it and then they both get shovels and they're basically having like a shovel duel while Ernest has like ran upstairs. American Gladiator style. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Like the, was it the joust? Was that the Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like through, through, because as I mentioned, Goldie Hawn getting shot through the stomach. That was like the one thing that really stuck with me from this movie from childhood. So I feel like that. And then like her smashing in Madeline's head with a shovel Uh and Madeline having like pull it up and then constantly like pull her head back. And it's so funny because like Madeline's head keeps dropping and like her chin to chest. And then Helen's like, stop doing that. And Madeline's like, I'm trying. She literally has to like hold the back of her head up. But I'm I'm like, this is why they got the Oscar. The special effects are incredible through this whole like segment. It is where they are jousting with the shovel and then Madeline like javelin throws her shovel through her hole. And she's like, oh, how dare you? And they proceed to have a conversation. (laughs) And then she sits on the couch where that shovel has been impaled and now right. it's peering through the hole <laughs> in her, her body. Perfectly like, perfection. through the hole. Yes. This and is perfection. <laughs> and I love too when 
um madeline threw the like javelin shovel through helen's torso and she's like yes wait no <laughs> like, it, like it didn't do what you think like i wanted to impale her and it didn't <laughs> do that right <laughs> i feel like the only time i noticed like a little whatever in the special effects was when helen sat down on the couch with the shovel through the hole in her stomach there was like a little parts where it looked like it was kind of transparent oh and i could like see her sweater through it but like otherwise top tier (laughs) yeah i i was impressed like i was i was looking for that whole continuity like is the background matching yeah with her and it did the yeah entire movie I, i guess apparently until that part you just noticed that was the only tiny thing that i noticed with all these special effects Mm. matt or helen starts listing all of the men that madeline had stolen from her and then we find out that madeline felt like helen and her snobby friends looked down on her and thought she was cheap so now we're back to why cheap was a trigger for madeline this entire movie felt like an episode or a season of real housewives <laughs> because this would this would absolutely be a storyline for someone in like beverly hills atlanta oh salt yeah. lake city any of them like you call me cheap cheap <laughs> <laughs> how dare you <laughs> how dare you make me feel cheap <laughs> Oh my gosh. I could, yeah, now that you say that, I could see this being like Teresa and Melissa on New Jersey. <laughs> it's just, it. I had never seen this movie all the way through. This was like my first watching. Really? I, like, I, I understand why people love it because it's so campy and it's just yeah. so good. <laughs> yes. Or this feels like, um, I can't think of like whose specific like storyline this was in Housewives, but it definitely reminds me of the level of pettiness from, oh God, what was that show? Catfish, where your girl catfished her cousin because they called her a fat Kelly Price. You should have never called me a fat Kelly Price. Yes, classic. That's what this felt like, like. Girl, you've been holding on to this for that long? Could like, you this- imagine like sexting with your cousin for years <laughs> because they called you a rude name? Like what? Just like slash his tires and like move on with it. Move on. Right. <laughs> like you have this is a decades-long frenemy feud that you have drawn out because she called you cheap or you thought she called you cheap exactly that's kind of that's so true um (laughs) but i won't say it seems like neither of them were completely off base because then they both apologized to each other for doing said things i mean they they yes i think one of the themes of this movie is like friendship and like female friendships and what they're based on (laughs) (laughs) yeah and the choices that we make as a result of them yeah very true so now the girls are besties again (laughs) they're like they're like all this time wasted and they they go upstairs to talk to Ernest, and he's like he wants to leave and never have contact with either of them again 
Um, so they agree, but they're like, can you just fix up this hole in Helen's stomach first before you go? <laughs> so he does that. And the next morning, they're both in the mirror looking amazing, admiring how good they look. And then Madeline pulls like, I guess, like a s- semi-wet paint chip off of Helen. And then they realize they need Ernest to stay for touch-ups or n- actually not just for touch-ups. They need him to live forever so he can keep making them look great. So really big on the poison in this movie because they decide to poison him <laughs> to get him to Liesl so he can take the potion. So they like put poison into his scotch or whatever because as we mentioned before, he used to drink pretty much sun up to sundown. So they give him the drink and he's walking with it. He's sloshing it around, dropping a bunch of it out, almost about to take a sip a couple of times, but never does. And then at the end, he's like, you know what? I drink too much. And he sets the drink down without drinking any of it. And they look at each other like, oh, shit. So then I think Madeline grabs a vase first and hits him over the head with it. And then I feel like that one would have been enough. But then Helen grabs a vase and hits him, too. And he's about to fall down the stairs, but they grab him and pull him backwards. So he just falls down on the floor. And then he wakes up at Liesl's house and he's at her indoor swimming pool. And Liesl gets out of the pool fully nude, except for high heels. (laughs) I did not notice the high heels. (laughs) When she got out the pool, because I think the high heels were like clear. So... At first, I thought she just was walking on her toes like Margot, Robbie, and Barbie. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And then I rewound it. I was like, oh, no, this woman was wearing heels in the pool. So so she gets out. She, you know, whatever, walks over to him and hands him the potion. And she's, you know, telling him the benefits. And she's like, Sempre Viva, live forever. And as Ern is about to drink, she's like, or as he's about Ern. to drink. <laughs> I, I, I write shorthand in my notes because I take so many. So I have Ern, Hell, and Mad. So Ernest is about to drink. And as the potion says lips, he's like, wait, then what? Like, I don't want to live forever. What if I get maimed? What if I get bored? bored. What if I get lonely? And he's like, am I just going to have like Helen and Madeline to hang out with? And then Liesl's like, but you'll stay young forever. And he's like, I don't want to watch everyone around me die, which is a great point. Yeah. So he escapes um, to her party because she's having a party that night for all of her quote unquote clients. And I I am looking at image. She does have heels on, but she also has like a little strappy... I don't know, fringe. Oh, like a bead thing in the front. Yes, yes. Well, actually, no, because when she first walks out of the pool, she just is naked with heels on. And then this beaded thing shows up after that. Yeah, because I think what happens is like a scarf. It looks like a scarf. Yeah, because I think we only see her backside. You will. like you're getting hung up on the semantics but yes she's i think she's completely new because we only see her backside Uh and then fabio or whoever comes up and i think puts the scarf on her 
or puts a towel and the scarf on her or uh, something. Like a, some robe with a very bold collar. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So that's how she gets the thing on when she's talking to Ernest. Mm-hmm. Once Ernest escapes down to Liesel's party, he's like, you know, trying to find an exit. And he bumps into someone who looks like Andy Warhol. <laughs> so you see a few celebrities who have allegedly died, but in this film or it's in this scene it's supposed to look like there are some of Liesel's clients who fake their death to live forever so he bumps into this Andy Warhol person who's talking to Marilyn Monroe and then there was like another woman in a gold dress to the right of Marilyn and I, I was like is that Grace Kelly like who is that and so when I googled that's supposed to be Greta Garbo Greta, yeah yeah how, wait how did you know that so when I was looking at the cast, they attributed the like Marilyn Monroe lookalike okay. to Greta Garbo. And I was like, this is very clearly Marilyn. And even mm. harps harps back to the beginning scene where Meryl is doing that. What is that? Um, where she's in the pink dress. Is that uh gentlemen prefer blondes or something like that? Yes, gentlemen prefer blondes, uh, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Yes. Right. Like that's what I I thought the tie-in was her being in that scene and then Meryl doing that opening number with like all male dancers mm. in kind of a similar I mean she's not in the same outfit but it's yeah. very much in the style of that number oh that's a, yeah that's a great connection I didn't think about that I, I just thought it was interesting that the Marilyn Monroe person is wearing a pink dress Cause I'm like, oh, she's always gonna wear this dress from a film, like not even like something Marilyn wore in real life. But I guess like to make us know she is sure. Yeah. Um, so the band leader, like once they finish playing whatever song they're on, he reiterates Liesel's rule of not popping up in public for headlines, and then we see Elvis, and he's like, I was just having some fun. I didn't think it was a big deal. <laughs> so Liesel has locked all the exits. So Ernest tries to escape another way and he ends up on the roof. So he's like crawling um, or I guess like a rooftop. But then he's like literally crawling on the roof. And then Helen and Madeline come out. And I think Madeline yells, Ernest startles him. He loses his grip on like the roof shingles. And slips and so he's literally being held on like this loose water pipe by his suspenders and to madeline and helen's credit they are trying to save him like helen's trying to throw out her little like scarf i don't know what that was gonna do but she's trying so he can't grab it and then eventually it falls accidentally so he's like oh no like what am i gonna do and then they're like because they saw at the party that he's (laughs) I forgot because when they spot him in the party, Helen or Madeline is like, he still looks like hell. Like, why does he look so bad? And then they see he has the potion in his pocket. So they're like, oh, that dumbass never took it. So Madeline's, Madeline's like, you still have the potion in your pocket. You need to drink it so that the fall won't kill you. So he pulls it out and he's thinking about drinking it. But as they're yelling at him, especially I think Madeline, who's like, hurry up, then they're like, we need you. And I think it kind of clicks like, oh God, like I'm going to have to be with them forever. So he decides against it. And he says, I'm sorry, dears, you're on your own. And he drops the little vow of uh, 
potion. And then he drops several feet through a stained glass window and luckily somehow ends up back in Liesel's pool. So he survives. And when he comes uh, out of the pool, it's like supposed to be Jim Morrison there with some... Oh. Oh, I was wondering. I I thought Steven Tyler, but I was like, he's not dead. <laughs> he's still very much alive to this day. Um, to be completely honest, I didn't catch that was Jim Morrison until mm. I was looking stuff up after. So Let me see yeah. the Doors. Yep, lead singer of the Doors. Yeah. Yes, this is um, like really nerdy and like designery. Mm-hmm. But when Bruce is on his way from like whatever ballroom to the the roof, he gets in an elevator and uses a foot pedal to like operate the elevator. Coolest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like you don't that is like a, a very like specific detail that you don't see in like elevators of today. Like it's just it's oh. a very unique detail that I was like, oh my god. That's so cool. So was that more used in like elevators like in decades past? Like back in the day when you used to have like um an elevator um like operator. Uh-huh. They would have like lever levers, uh-huh. like a little lever stand, or they would have foot pedal operations. Which is kind of cool. I thought wow. that was pretty nifty. Okay. Love a little interior design tidbit. Or just, that's really just architecture, but you know. I mean, I feel like it's under the same umbrella. No, no. That's okay. <laughs> I take back ours, my... We have nothing to do with elevators outside of the aesthetics. That is all like engineers and architects. I take back my compliment then. It sucked <laughs> and I hated it. <laughs> it is very cool. <laughs> if you are ever have the opportunity to be in one of those old elevators where they have like the the gate that you have to like close on your own or there's a foot pedal operation you are in like rare air and space and you should take full advantage of it it's very cool well, I've, I've been in an apartment in new york city where you had to close the gate but there was no foot thing though it was just like regular buttons right which is why the foot pedal is it's a very rare thing yeah. that you see and i mean mind you this was the 90s like you Definitely would not see a foot pedal mm. operation. Definitely not in the U.S. Maybe in other countries, but okay, it's very cool, unique, and rare. Mm, okay. And I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you did. <laughs> so Ernest makes his way outside, and he steals a car from the valet that's being dropped off by James Dean, and <laughs> then. We see Helen, Madeline, and Liesel run out the front door to see him as he drives off. And Liesel tells them um, it would be in their best interest to get him back. So Helen and Madeline go to um, Madeline and Ernest's home, but they can't find them. And they're starting to peel. I think it's like raining. Was it raining? Right? I, don't I can't remember. remember. Maybe not, but whatever from the stress or whatever's happening, the paint is starting to peel and they're starting to panic because they're like, what the hell are we going to do? Like, we're falling apart. And Madeline's like, hey, like, you know what? This is just maintenance. It's upkeep. Um, I'll paint your ass. You'll paint mine. And then they laugh and they're feeling better. 
And then Helen's like, who could have imagined us together taking care of each other, painting each other's asses day and night? And then Madeline says, forever. Then they stop laughing because the reality sets in that that this this is is, this is forever. And they're like, oh fuck. So this is our life. And yeah, I love how only one mortician could like right, you know, paint them. Like there weren't other people with this like specialty. That's, <laughs> that actually, such, out. that's actually such a great point. Like, even if it was a mortician, I'm sure someone, as you mentioned, a graffiti artist, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> they could have figured out the exact like shade of paint that these women needed and like all that. Like, well, they figured out because they, <laughs> they had it in their purse. Well, they they kind of figured it out. They, I mean, they were. They were looking a little rough, so they. I feel like they were doing the best they can. Like I do the best I can with makeup, but like you really need a full on like makeup artist to like really do. You need a professional. Yeah, exactly. So we jump thirty seven years later, which is crazy because that if if the film is supposed to be like when we see all the stuff with Liesel and all that happening. If that's supposed to be 91 or 92, 37 years later would be like 2028 or 29. So we're basically like six years away from this. So 37 years later at Ernest's funeral and the pastor says, Ernest didn't, like, we don't know a lot about Ernest or much about his life before he turned 50, but he believed that life didn't truly start until 50, which is when he met his wife, Claire, and they had two sons and four daughter daughters. So I was and like, daughters. <laughs> Where are you from? Sometimes, sometimes, when, when I was younger, I used to say water, and I don't, I don't know why. Like I've never lived in Boston, but they used to like come out. So I guess daughter is the same thing. But shut up, kid. Four daughters. But so I was like six kids at 50. Like how young was Claire? Wait, Claire. Oh, oh, yes. That was, yes. Yeah. She was able to push out. Yes. <laughs> right. Because I'm going to guess Claire wasn't 40 if she pushed out six kids. Mm. That's a lot of fucking kids. So. That is a lot. Yeah. Well, we'll suss Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> or it reinforces that men have longer spans and careers and sexual paralysis than they assign women to in society these days that he can procreate well into his what i would assume 70s maybe <laughs> um i would 60s. say probably, probably yeah probably just to the 60s I, I would guess the kids they probably had six kids within 10 12 years so yeah i, I doubt yeah, i doubt he was like having... a kid every other year yeah I mean, I mean, uh, maybe, maybe they, I mean, I just, I doubt, like, if they start having kids when he was 51, I doubt they went much past when he was 65 at the latest. Yeah. Depending on how old his wife was, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, I am glad there have been uh, more talk and more studies about how, like, even though men can have kids, and for basically their entire life maybe they shouldn't and we're talking more about the um like complications that come with that oh with yeah. men mm-hmm. oh. 
like it makes kids more prone to like some various like health issues and things like that when Mm. the man is like I think like over 50 or 60 something like that I had not heard that yeah but I do think also it was I feel like it was very poignant I think that's the right word that Madeline and Helen took this potion and Ernest was like no I would rather die than take this potion and live forever like he wasn't focused or the only reason he was really considering taking the potion was so he wouldn't plummet to his death it wasn't anything about how he looked it wasn't anything superficial like that it was literally life or death but I also I I I don't love the redemption arc of Ernest because at the end of the day Ernest was a weak man who allowed himself to be wooed by another woman and pulled away from his current fiance and then also to be wooed by that woman <laughs> to be pulled away from his current wife and then he decided to take a stand when it came to this potion oh because- yeah no i i fully i'm not saying that as a positive <laughs> oh, i was okay. saying because like women like these women who are i think maybe they were supposed to be around 50 when they mm-hmm. take the or helen had taken it earlier but when Malin takes it i think she's supposed to be like 50 yep. and that the women are so concerned with how they look and the man isn't thinking about it at all unless it can save him from literally dying <laughs> that's what i meant i didn't mean like oh how courageous i just meant like the difference in the beauty standards where like like you were saying he's he looks the worst in the film and he's not even thinking about his appearance at all right um and i kind of feel like though like the reverend is saying like oh he did all this and started these foundations also that was interesting that he started the menville center for like women's studies or women's (laughs) health or stuff oh there was so much about like women i was like yeah (laughs) and i feel like the two of them so the funeral's happening and you just see two people in the far back of the church dressed in all black and then we see it's helen and madeline and they're kind of giggling about something that's like in the program or something that the reverend said so i don't really feel like it was a redemption arc I think it was kind of like these people have been fooled into thinking he's some great man, but these two women are just like, that's hilarious and it's bullshit. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. They definitely tried to make him out like to be like the saint (laughs) at his funeral. Yeah, (laughs) right. So they're laughing, but then I can't remember what the reverend says, but something makes Helen tear up and Madeline's like oh my god you are not crying and so Helen like dabs tries to dab her eyes with a Kleenex but I guess she does it too hard and some of the acrylic paint makeup comes off and she asks Madeline for um her like can of spray paint and Madeline's like I don't have it it's not my purse and Helen's like I put it in your purse and then they're kind of like arguing and the people in the church keep turning back like, why are these people so loud? So eventually they're like, you know, let's get out of here. So they leave the church and we see both of them are kind of like walking weird. So I wonder like what happened <laughs> to cause them 
like did they take more falls downstairs like, yes what's... like they didn't have Ernest to fix them so they had just been like self-patching <laughs> for right, the last 37 years but I'm just like at this point y'all shouldn't y'all are friends now y'all shouldn't be fighting nobody so what's happened that y'all are walking like this I mean they're very clearly not taking care of their bodies especially if like their pettiness and rivalry is still ongoing where they are like taking tumbles or i don't know accidentally getting car accidents who knows who knows with these ladies oh that's true that's true like car accidents and stuff that's true so they're walking out the church all weird and stuff and then they're kind of arguing about like where madeline left the can of spray paint and we see that the spray paint is right underneath the first step so helen steps down first and she slips on it and she's hanging off the step just like (laughs) i wish y'all could see cam she's doing like the (laughs) the cartoon falling thing just like madeline did right before she fell down the steps when ernest pushed her and so helen's like help me And then Madeline kind of like smirks. And then Helen's like, well, hell no. If you're going to smirk and not help me. So then she grabs (laughs) Madeline by the collar and pulls her down with her. And then they like shatter like ceramic at the bottom of the stairs. Which I was was like, damn, they've really been through it. If their bodies just like literally shattering now. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, um... Not quite Legos, but just like all the pieces just come yeah. together. Heads over here, foots over there. <laughs> and I love that, like, as their body parts were scattered, you you know it's Madeline's fingers that are tapping because she's just like annoyed. Like, here you go with this bullshit again. I and told then, you. <laughs> right. This damn paint. <laughs> Her head is kind of like upside down and we just hear this rolling sound and then Helen's head rolls over to Madeline's and she just says, do you remember where you parked the car? (laughs) And and that's the end of the film. (laughs) I mean, this movie is known for being a cult classic, namely among the gays. (laughs) They love... I would say women in the LGBTQ community. Men, uh, straight men don't seem to care for it too much. That's why I just said the gays, whatever. <laughs> Male, female, whatever. But you I'm, no, but I'm and saying also women. Straight, straight women too seem but to like it. As but well. it's also known for being like a queer cult classic. Yeah. And for me, it was like moments like that final scene. And even the opening and the ending scene, I was like, I get it. I know why the gays love this, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, it makes so much sense. And even that moment at the end where she was like, you know, where we parked the car, (laughs) it it made me think of, like, RuPaul's Drag Race and where he's always like, is the bus still running? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I loved it so much. And then it made me remember, well, that and Google made me remember that on season seven which is arguably one of the worst seasons of drag race wait remind me who is on season seven is that trixie season no yes yes that is trixie, yeah, trixie and Katia. Bashki, yeah Warren, ginger minch yeah 
but they had a death becomes her runway it was <gasps> episode six I remember that and that was where violet tchotchke um she wore that like really really teeny tiny corset and had like the oxygen mask and she oh yes out. yeah so oh, they wow. had like a death becomes her runway I was totally like, forgot I about that. Oh, this makes so much sense now that I've seen the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that runway. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. And also with the uh, drag race folklore, Jinx Monsoon, their documentary that they did about their own life was called "Death Becomes Him," mm. where he like did a photo shoot and just like heavily identifies with this movie um because gays love bitchy villains like they love them they're (laughs) they are outcasts with power essentially Mm. and it makes them feel you know because they're outcasts and often feel not empowered it like gives them at least according to all the think pieces and analyses on this movie and why the queer community likes it that is Mm. what they have attributed it to okay oh that's super interesting yeah and that like you know in society villains are often misunderstood that they are seen as being like super negative but if you find out what really is their motivation it's insecurity and being called cheap 20 30 (laughs) years ago right (laughs) (laughs) that they can really identify with so yeah i thought it was kind of um I mean, I feel like maybe it's a less revolutionary now that we have seen Bruce in other roles outside of like his diehard machismo films. But I think this was one of the first films in his career where we actually got to see like the campy, fun, funny version of Bruce Willis. What we knew him from was like diehard. Yeah. Um, I guess he was in Moonlight, but. Oh, moon, moonlighting. moonlighting. <laughs> I was like, "What's moonlight?" Yes, moon, I re- <laughs> yes with Civil Shepherd. My mom used to love moonlighting. Yeah, so moonlighting, and I guess also technically, look who's talking. <laughs> he had done those. Oh yes, I oh, love look who's talking. Yeah, but this was kind of the first movie where we saw him playing a backseat to women you know like he wasn't in Mm. like that macho kind of hyper masculine role he was the beta to these two women and i mean eventually he found his own like voice and was able to express that but it is weird seeing him in that light and with hair the hair was really (laughs) off-putting to me i prefer my bruce bald well i feel like he had hair in like the first die hard and it was weird. I I I think I think he looks better. He's one of those people that looks better bald or with a close like cut. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I do feel like it was interesting to see him because I do definitely primarily think of him as like an action film star. So mm-hmm. seeing him playing someone who's so kind of like weak and timid was definitely um good good role choice for him in trying to like i guess expand his acting chops or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah and also i mean as 
Cameron said on Modern Family, um, Meryl Streep could play Batman. She is always the right choice. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that's a a hot take. (laughs) But Sis is very versatile. Yes, yeah. She's done it all. Except play a Black woman. (laughs) Good. I hope she never does that. Why why would that be a thing? Robert Downey Jr. played a black man. Okay. okay we don't need Meryl getting that kind of backlash. It's, I mean, Angelina Jolie did it in Changeling or whatever. We don't need to. What? She played a black woman in Changeling? Yeah. She's it's like based on, a, I think it's Changeling, based on a real life story. I don't know if the woman's black or biracial, but yeah. Was there anything else you had about uh, Death Becomes All? No, I just, yeah, I just think everyone did a great job. Like, obviously, we talked about Bruce and Meryl. Shout out to Goldie as well, doing her thing. She did. They they all held their own weight. Yeah. And uh, Goldie is, I believe, actually the top billed person in this film. So Above Meryl? Mm Mm-hmm. Damn yeah i believe so yeah i kind of liked that the film was although it was about like trying to get your man back it was more so about like a friendship like them being frenemies but deciding or maybe being stuck (laughs) with one (laughs) another and realizing that they're stuck with one another allowed them to like get past the like pettiness and the revenge and the envy yeah because ultimately both of them realize like we don't really want Ernest, (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) we just need him we don't want him yeah exactly but yeah i i thought it was it was really good and i i see why it why people love it because it was it was funny it was funny campy goodness yeah it's um it's great and as someone who does not like scary movies this is the perfect amount of like spooky and occult and like whatever that sits well with me Mm -hmm. (laughs) so feels like she devil but (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like she devil there was no uh no one was undead so there's no zombies and she devil True, but it was still like a revenge plot. You took my man, so I'm going to get back at you. Yeah. (laughs) Very true, very true. All right. Well, we have reached the end of this here show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Please like and subscribe on all of the podcast platforms. We are on all of your favorites. We are also on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. We are Their Eyes Are Watching TV on Twitter and TikTok. We are TEWWTV Podcast. So please engage. Tell us what you'd like for us to, uh, you know, review on this show or talk about. Or if you have questions or comments, please, please let us know. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. And again, if you have shows or films you think we should be watching and want to hear us discuss, let us know. Yep. All righty. Till next time.
to the Batmobile. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Move it, football head. (laughs) Thank you.